Good morning again. Welcome you back into the sanctuary. We're in a series on uh, the body. This morning we're talking about growing together, and we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits and growth are closely related. Without growth, you don't get fruit. Uh, I'm not a great... I, I work in the landscape industry, so planting things and nurturing them is part of what I do. And I find it particularly motivating to plant and grow and nurture things that give me something back. Uh, and because I'm probably not the most aesthetically oriented person, I don't particularly care what they look like. I'd like to eat something from them. And, and so I, I love planting and nurturing and growing things that produce fruit because I feel like I get paid back for my efforts and that's important to me. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to look this morning at the issue of growth and fruit in our lives as we grow together, and the fruit of the Spirit. It's probably a, a term that you've heard of, the fruit of the Spirit, um, but you don't get fruit unless you get growth. So we're actually going to step back from fruit and look at, look at some of the elements of growing together that are important to produce the fruit of the Spirit. We are born with an innate desire to grow. Did you know this? There, there's, a, there's an in, innate unction within us from birth that desires growth. We don't like to be small and useless and dependent. We're, we're made to want to be big and useful and productive. We are. It's there. I have a, a three-year-old who I feel like we have this conversation 20 times an hour sometimes of when will I get big? Uh, if you've ever nurtured a child in that age range, it's, a, it's an obsession to get bigger. And I feel like in his mind, he thinks that by having the conversation, he's getting bigger. I, I think maybe that's what motivates the incessant repetition, is that if we keep talking about getting big, maybe we'll get big. It, I can't totally get into his mind, he's three, but that's what it feels like to me, um, based on how frequently it comes up. So, it, it's often, you know, I'm the standard of bigness in our house um, to my three-year-old boy. When will I get big like you, Dad? And my other kids will often say, someday you'll be too big like Dad, um, which isn't very nice, but it is what it is. Um, when can I be big like you, Dad? That's, that's his obsession. He, he wants to grow, and that's good. And as Christians... When, when, when we're born of the Spirit, when the Spirit of God comes and takes His dwelling in us, when we're made a new creation in Jesus, when the Spirit of God begins to drive our life rather than our fleshly passions, something happens in us the same. We want to grow. And, and who is the standard of bigness when it comes to our spiritual growth? It's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus, when can I be big like you? When... When can I be patient like you? Because I really stink at the whole patience thing. Jesus, when can I love like you? I want to be big like you are, Jesus. When can I speak truth the way that you speak? That yearning starts to come forth in our life as we're born again. It's, it's great evidence of the fact that we have been born again is that we actually desire something more than just our base desires, our fleshly desires. When can we big, be big like Jesus? It's an innate desire within the Christian to want to be big like Jesus. Let's look at Galatians 5. This will be our key text this morning, starting in verse 19. 
You'll notice as we get into this text that the first part of it and the second part of it are a contrast to one another. You may be familiar with the fruits of the Spirit, which is where we'll focus, but I think it's important that we read the, the whole, this whole text to see what the, the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit are. Galatians 5.19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. That's interesting, isn't it, that they're obvious? You don't even have to give a whole lot of thought to it. It's, it's so base. These are the things that people do. People who don't give themselves to God, who haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, will at one point or another eventually be drawn back to all of these things. This is the very nature of fallen man. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's like, that's a big list and there's probably a whole lot more. So, and the like. All that stuff sounds pretty nasty, right? It's kind of a nasty list. If, you had, if somebody summed up your life at the end of it, you wouldn't want them to say, yeah, this is how they lived. That would not be a good commentary on your life. And yet, whether visible or obvious or not, a, apart from the regenerating work and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, they all go in that direction. Those are the works of the flesh. But then he contrasts those and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the characteristics that don't come naturally to us as fallen sons of Adam. They just don't. We can, we can, we can esteem them, but we won't embody them apart from a work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So spiritual growth is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. That desire to grow, that desire to be like Jesus can be measured in how much am I like this? <laughs> how much am I like the fruit of the Spirit? Because the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of Jesus. It's the fruit. This is God we're talking about. This is what God's like. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about what God is like. God is patient. God is full of joy. He's kind. God's, God's, God's full of goodness. God's self-controlled. Did you know there's things God has, I think, an urge to do that he resists? Like judgment? He withholds judgment. That's, an, that's evidence of his self-control. All of this list of the fruit of the Spirit is what God is. It's a breakdown, I think, largely of what love looks like. And so when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about growing into what God is like. It's cool to be strong, isn't it? I mean, strength is, is it, it's great to possess. I mean, I suppose I know it in a small measure. I've never considered myself like this hulking guy uh, that can, you know, be dominant physically. But, but it's nice to know I can go do something. Strength is, strength is cool. Growth is good. I, I, I had an experience when I was 19. I had to take a Greyhound bus from northern Ontario, Canada, where I grew up, to East Texas, which, in a, <laughs> A, I was poor, B, I was young, C, I was a single dude, so I didn't care. So, it actually kind of sounded fun. Those were adventures for me. I was 19, and 
in a best case scenario, it would have taken 24 to 30 hours to make that trip. That would have been like, make every connection, no, no obstructions, no delays, no weather, no missed schedule scenarios. Um, it didn't go that way. I, I got to the border in about nine hours, and then my paperwork situation was super confused, and it took me, I think, six or eight hours at the border to convince them to let me across. I had $20 to my name in my pocket at that time in my life. No plastic or anything like that, like literally 20 bucks. And, um, and so I spent half of it after I got held up at the border and the bus went without me to take a cab to the, tech, to the bus, the Greyhound station in Detroit. So I spent half of my money just getting into Detroit. And what had occurred during the hours that I was stuck at the border is that a massive blizzard had come in, a little bit like this morning, but bigger. And so I actually walked the bridge because it saved me some money. I walked the bridge from Windsor, Ontario to Detroit and to, to save some cab money, and then I took the, the cab from the, the border down to the bus station. When I got there, I said, I'm really late, my schedule's off, I need to get to Texas, I need to connect through here, when can I leave? They said, oh, this station's shut down for the next 24 hours, there's no buses coming or going. And so the adventure, the adventure got more interesting. So my, my hope of 24 to 30 hours was dashed, and, and as the story ended, in case I forget to tell you, it took about four days for me to go from where I started till the end. And, and I spent half of my money getting across the border. And so for the next 24 hours, I, I lived in <laughs> the Detroit Greyhound station, which was awesome. Um, I made lots of friends. Uh, homeless people were giving me food, which was awesome, because I didn't have any. Um, like, they were, they were better off than me. Uh, I got kicked lots of times trying to sleep under benches, and it was a great experience, but the reason I'm telling you this story is because I eventually got to Texarkana, which was like two or three hours from my ultimate destination. I pulled in around 10 p.m., got off my bus, said, I have to make my final connection to here, and they said, that bus left 10 minutes ago, you're going to have to spend the night. So my final night of my four-day journey was spent in the Texarkana Greyhound Station, which was even more uncomfortable than Detroit, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, I went into the bathroom at one point in the night because I was uncomfortably sleeping on a hard plastic chair. And, and when I went into the bathroom at two in the morning in the Texarkana bus station, there was a shirtless man who was very buff with a gym bag beside him, staring in the mirror, lifting weights. <laughs> and I, I walked in, and of course, that's not what I anticipated seeing when I walked in the bathroom. So I was a little surprised, and I thought maybe he would be a little embarrassed because it's weird to do that. But he wasn't. He had no self-awareness. And so I proceeded to do what I went in that room to do. And when I came out, he was still there, lifting weights. And subsequent, like three hours later, the police came and removed him because for three hours he kept lifting weights shirtless in the bathroom of the Texarkana Greyhound bus station at three in the morning. And so it was a weird experience. But I tell you this because he was obsessed, apparently, or high, probably, but certainly obsessed with his own strength. He just stood in the mirror no expression, no response to my coming, no sense of shame or embarrassment or pride even, just so obsessed with his strength. And he was strong. I mean, I might have been able to take him, but I wasn't so sure. Just totally obsessed with his strength, with his growth. Maybe he was watching and measuring his pecs every hour. I don't know, but he stood there just staring at himself. And that's not what strength and growth is for, is it? We're not intended to grow so we can just obsess with ourselves. We don't measure our spiritual growth by saying, whoa, I'm buff, and staring at it. We, God gives us growth and strength to serve, to give. Next week is going to be about serving, so 
I don't even know who I'm setting up. I'm setting somebody up for their sermon. Matt, he's going to be here. He's not here today. Um, that, that's, that growth that God gives us is to produce fruit. Fruit isn't just for us. It's, fruits, it's great that a, one fruit tree can produce thousands of pieces of fruit because it's to be enjoyed. And so we don't measure spiritual growth by self-obsessing and staring in mirrors and evaluating our biceps, our spiritual biceps. But, but we can look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit and say, how, how abundant is this in my life? Are, are these things evident? Are these things increasing? Because as we, as we yearn to grow in Christ, as we yearn to be more like Jesus, they should be. Spiritual growth is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. It's not measured by spiritual experiences. It's not measured by knowing all the right answers and telling everybody else how wrong theirs are. It's not measured by doing works of miracles. It's not measured by how far-reaching and noticeable and visible your ministry is. None of those things measure spiritual growth. Somebody said once that God would prefer a good plumber over a bad missionary anytime. And I couldn't agree more. Your ministry doesn't, or lack thereof, is no indicator of your spiritual growth. If, if, if I preach this sermon this morning and my heart motivation is anything outside of serving and loving God and His people, then it doesn't count anything for me and it's not evidence of spiritual growth or maturity. And that's possible. You can do that. If, if you were kind to your child this morning when your fleshly urge was to cut them off and be sharp to them and, and, and mean because of whatever they did and you chose not to, and I preached a sermon out of any kind of selfish ambition, then you win. <laughs> That's the, the tables have turned your, your way. You're, you're so far my superior in terms of spiritual growth, if that was the case. I hope it's not. Every time I preach, I say, God, I want, I want to do this out of sincere love for your people. I want to serve them. I want to nurture your people. I want to use the gifts that you've given me, and, and I want to, I want to per- see, see people grow. And, and I'm sure I've done that to varying degrees of success at times. But we all have the chance to grow. Every, every time any one of these fruits of the Spirit is evidenced in your life, it's of infinite worth to God. He never misses it. Isn't this incredible? If you want to store up treasure in heaven, ask God to help you demonstrate the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life. Every one of them count. They're of infinite worth to, you, to Him. You can store up treasure night and day. Every waking minute, you have opportunity to to exercise self-control. And I don't even think that the times that you fail in them, I don't think it wipes out the value of all the times that you succeeded. I think every time the Holy Spirit is engaging in your life and you're allowing Him access and these fruits, goodness, every expression of goodness that you've made, I think it counts to God. He sees it. Some of us have a tendency to obsess over our failures and be super self-critical. Not me. I tend to think very highly of myself. I have an opposite problem. But uh, <laughs> it's true. We, we all kind of tend to go one way or the other on that. But some people are super critical and you think, oh, I screwed up. I wasn't good this time. And you, you're not even aware that for the last 47 times that you had a chance to be good, you were good. And you think it's all wiped away because you messed up once. And that's not true. The fruit of the Holy Spirit you have no idea how horrible a person you would be outside of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You really don't. You're a hideous creature outside of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I think that you can rejoice in 
all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that probably you take for granted in your life. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit has been evident in your life since a very young age. And people just say, oh, they're just good. You're not just good. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I think you should rejoice in the fact that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think you can have great hope and great joy in the fact that you'll be eternally rewarded for all of the work of goodness that God put in you and expressed through you. Amen? I think some of you really needed that, need that encouragement. You actually need to change the way that you think about yourself because you're way too critical about your failures. And you don't, you're not even aware of the thousands of successes because you just take it for granted. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If it's any of those things in that list, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you're ever taking inventory of yourself in terms of your own growth, just do it on the basis of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says, against these there is no law. What does he mean by that? He means you're fulfilling the law. What is the law? Love God, love your neighbor. Against these fruits there's no law. You, there's no restriction here. You can, you, the Holy Spirit can like, blow the lid off of goodness in your life. and self, like, it, There's no limit. Just, just do it. You don't have to be cautious. Oh, I don't know if I should be any more patient. There's no law against patience. Just be really patient. Really kind. I don't know if I'm being too kind today might bother God. It's never, going to go to bo- it's never going to bother God. Just be kind. Let the fruit of kindness just blow up in your life. And in it, you're fulfilling the law. You're actually doing everything God ever wanted you to do. There's no law against any of this. Growth takes time. If you've never given yourself to growing something, I really think that you should. Uh, you don't have to be a farmer or a landscaper or some horticulture nerd but just stick a tomato plant on your porch or something just watch something grow i think it's really important i try to grow a garden every year my grandma grew an immaculate garden like i think god just kissed it every year it was eden-esque amazing and i remember as a child just glutting myself on the best of foods possible and my my dear sweet Oma would never have told me, don't eat any more of that. She just let us go, and it was amazing. And she would feed her family and many other families from the abundance of her garden. My garden looks absolutely nothing like Oma's. My garden is an embarrassment. I don't want people to know I have a garden when they come to my house. Sometimes people wonder what that tall patch of grass is over in the corner, but I try. I'm a better starter than I am a finisher, and so digging that soil up, getting those seeds in the ground... All in, timely, nail it every year. The weeding, not so much. Uh, we, we fail in that category. But, but I do think that you should give yourself to, to observing and participating in the growth process. And I think God actually intended for us to, to do that, to know where our food comes from largely. It's kind of how things were in the beginning. I think it's a good thing. I did grow up on a farm, so I realized I'm biased in this direction. I, I participated uh, significantly in the, in the process of growing things. And, and, and when you give yourself to growing something, you realize it takes time. It just takes time. You cannot, you cannot accelerate the growth of, of your garden or a tree. It, I mean, you can help think, nurture it, but it's going to grow at its own pace, and it's going to take a long time. And for a long time, you're not going to get anything. I, I planted fruit trees in my life, and 
you know, my kids, they want fruit, tree, fruit off them like 15 minutes after you get them in the ground when they're little. They, they don't get it. We planted an apple tree. <laughs> chop, chop, let's get some apples. It, it doesn't work that way. Growth takes so much time. And, and when your life actually centers around growth or not growth, uh, you, you, you get to experience both sides of the equation, the, the absolute terror of watching worms eat your whole crop in three days. I've watched that happen, where grain fields have gone from lush and beautiful to gone, just sticks in days. And it's, it's kind of devastating. I remember asking my dad, like, what do you do? He said, just don't look. <laughs> There's nothing you can do at that point. It's just sometimes trying to grow things is really disappointing, really disheartening. Sometimes it doesn't work. But other times, you get finished working at the end of the day, and you've been part of the process for six months or sometimes six years, depending on what you're growing and harvesting. It's really satisfying to know, I grew all that stuff. Grow, but, but I think it acquaints you with the process of growth, and I think there is a parallel in our own growth. And I think if you don't know how things grow, it'll, it'll be a frustrating experience for you and both in, in your evaluation of your own growth and of others, if you don't know how things grow, I think you'll be very frustrated with your own growth. It takes time. How many of you are, are where you want to be? Who you want to be? Entirely. Probably none of us. None of us bold enough to raise our hands at least. You're probably not there. When you look, when you look at the standard of bigness in terms of spiritual growth, Jesus himself, you realize, I I'm a small man. <laughs> I'm, I'm barely in the game. <laughs> he, he, he's the standard. And if you don't know that growth takes time, boy, you might be tempted to throw the towel in. I think not knowing how things grow will make you a terrible parent. <laughs> Amen? If you expect your kids to grow, like to actually change the first time you tell them what they need to know, <laughs> let me know how that goes for you. It doesn't happen. You don't tell your kid once, keep your room clean. <laughs> My wife just laughed really hard. Just keep your room clean. I mean, now that you know that, I expect that of you, right? So you should grow and become cleanly. Uh, that's, that's just not how growth works. You, you, should, you should know how to do trigonometry right now. You had a lesson, just, just know that. It, it, growth doesn't happen that way. I think unless you know how things grow, parenting will be very challenging for you. Disciple making will be very difficult for you. Making disciples is, is long, laborious work. How many of you have engaged, you don't have to raise your hands, if you've ever engaged in investing in a person who is going from point A to hopefully point B, because the hopeful is a real question, right? Because you don't always know if it's going to work out that way, because they're people. And you see them make terrible decision after terrible decision at Every time you tell them not to make a terrible decision and they know what the good decision is that they should be making and they don't do it anyway, if you don't know how things grow, you're going to give up on that person. But Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Invest in them. Teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded. If you don't have a 20-year vision for disciple-making, you're, you're, you're not going to be a very good disciple-maker because sometimes that's what it takes. I think, Mike, you've said... Civilizing a human being takes 20 years. I believe I heard those words come out of your mouth in context of parenting. If you don't have a 25-year grid for, for raising your children, I mean, that's going to be a terrible couple decades. <laughs> it just takes time. Things grow really slow. Now, let's be fair. 
Look at yourself. Have you grown quickly? Has everything just come together the first time you heard it? It doesn't. God, and and let, me just, let me just say this. God, I think God's okay with that. God knows how things grow. Did you know that? Like he made the whole process. It's all his design. And I think the parallel of seeing how things grow is helpful for us in seeing how we grow. God's, God's patient. It's, it's the fruit of his spirit. God's really patient with you. You see God's patience in, I, mentioned, I, I alluded to it earlier, in withholding judgment. 2 Peter 3 talks about how the reason he hasn't returned yet is because of his patience in desiring more, more people to come into salvation. He withholds judgment for the sake of saving more. But don't you think his approach to you is absolutely similar? You know, you really suck at this particular area, and you've tried. <laughs> and then you've given up, and you tried again, you gave up, and you tried again, and on and on and on. Do you think he's ready to throw the... T- I mean, his patience, you have no idea how good he is. <laughs> he's so much better than we think he is. He's so much more patient. You have, you have no idea how incredibly patient he is with you. When you understand how things grow, I think it helps give us a, a better framework for understanding how we grow and how others grow. I think it makes us better disciples ourselves because we can embrace the process and the slow work of God that's functioning in our life. And I think it makes us better disciple makers because it gives us God's kind of patience with people as they fumble through the process of growing. Um, Here's something interesting about growth. When I attempted to plant my garden, um, I tried to, particularly with corn, because I really like fresh corn. Isn't it so good? The thought of fresh corn off of a cob right now feels almost like cruel to mention because we all just walked in out of a blizzard. It's hard. I think we should schedule all growth sermons in the future in like May, just for, for the record. I'm not sure this was a good idea, but there's something just so fantastic. I love putting it on the grill in the husk for a few minutes and just that flavor. It's fantastic. I love it. But because I love it so much, I want to spread it out. And if you plant all of your corn at the same time, it's all going to come ripe at the same time. And you better be ready to eat some corn that week. And then it's going to be over. And so there, there's two ways you can do that. You can stagger your planting so that, you know, you plant some this week and some next week and a few weeks later, plant some more so it comes to fruition at different times. But there's actually also in, in a lot of varieties of fruits and vegetables out there, uh, different gestation periods for, different, uh, for, for the same thing. So you can plant a quick harvest corn and a long harvest corn at the same day, and then you're going to spread it out. And, and I think the parallel is interesting because when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, when we look at um, joy, love, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when we look at those things, I, I think we probably recognize eh, the gestation period for some of those is a little longer in my life than others, right? Yeah, maybe I'm pretty good at this one. That, that seems to have caught on, grabbed root pretty quick, but man... The whole self-control bit, eh, it's like a 200-day gestation period on that. It's just not coming around real quick. I think when you understand how things grow, that even some seeds take a long time to grow. And some seeds take, grow really quickly. When you understand that, I think it makes us more like Jesus. I think understanding how things grow helps a lot. Some of these fruits will just emerge in your life right away when you become born again, when you come into the faith when the Spirit of God begins to work in your life in that way. And some of them 
might be a struggle for a long time, and some of them might be a struggle for your spouse for a long time. And when you recognize how things grow, I think it enables us to, to embrace the process of growth, understand it better, and, and, and participate it, in it, I think, better as well. Um, growth takes a lot of time. Growth also takes a lot of effort. None of these things I mentioned are things that you're born with, the fruits of the Spirit. They're not natural to us. They're all, any evidence of these things in your life is the work of the Holy Spirit. Something I teach my kids, started to teach my kids, is that there is no smart, there's only hard work. I can, I can unpack that for you in person if you'd like a little bit more, but I, there is no smart, there's only hard work. Meaning, I'll give you an example. One of my kids, a couple weeks ago, wanted a Rubik's Cube. And I've seen what happens when kids get Rubik's Cubes. I'm excited about a Rubik's Cube because I'm going to solve it and I'm going to be the super smart kid who's going to solve a Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube arrives. Eh, oh, this is hard. That's how I was with a Rubik's Cube. I, to this day, have never... Has anybody here ever solved a Rubik's Cube? Come on. What? Michelle Winger, stop it. <laughs> I pointed you out. I know you did. I could have called you on that. <laughs> she moved the stickers. Yeah, now I know. How many of you have solved one without moving the stickers? Not a couple of you. That's awesome. So he gets this Rubik's Cube. And I told him, if you work hard at it, you can solve that Rubik's Cube. No, I did not say if you're smart, you can solve that Rubik's Cube. You know why? Because if you say to somebody, if you're smart, you can solve that Rubik's Cube, they're going to look at the Rubik's Cube, they're going to play with it for three and a half minutes, and they're going to say, I guess I'm not smart because I can't solve said Rubik's Cube. But I told them, if you work hard at it, you can solve Rubik's Cube. Saturday, it shows up in the mail. God bless Amazon. It took two days. Shows up Saturday morning. Great excitement. I kid you not, over the next two days, that kid put 10 concentrated hours into solving a Rubik's Cube. And guess what? He solved the Rubik's Cube. Amen. It's a great accomplishment. It's not because he was smart or not smart. Smart has nothing to do with it. You work hard at it. There is no smart. There's only hard work. I would say similar to the fruit of the Spirit. There's no easy fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's no, ah, oh, you were just born with that. I have a certain personality, so I can't be patient. That's garbage. If you think that you can't be any one of these because of your personality, you're wrong, and you need to change the way that you think. And until you change the way that you think, you'll never be good at that thing. You have no hope of even changing as long as you think that you're the victim of your personality. You do have a personality, and your personality will contribute to which of these things may be easier or harder. That's very true. Some of this fruit will just take a long time to grow, but because you're learning to understand how things grow and don't grow, you recognize, okay, this one's going to be hard. This one's going to take time. This one I'm going to have to pray a lot on. When that urge to be this way and act out of the flesh, to, to, to bear forth the works of the flesh, when that urge hits, I'm really going to need to, to throw myself at Jesus in a big way, to have any hope of not doing that. Yes, that's all valid. But there is no, there's no lucky here. There's no um, spiritual elite people who it just comes easy to. There's no born with it. If you work hard at it, you'll get there. Now, now some of you are uncomfortable already because I just talked about working hard as an evangelical Christian. 2 Peter 1. <clears throat> 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this reason... For this very reason, make every effort. 
For this very reason, make every effort. Three words. Make what? Every what? Effort. Make every, every effort. Every effort? That sounds like work. <laughs> it is. Make every effort to add to, add, add to what? To your faith. Add to your faith. This is crazy. You're talking works. Yeah, I'm talking about working. There's no spiritual, there's no lucky, and there's no elite. There's no smart. There's just hard work. You want to solve the Rubik's Cube? Go sit in your room for 10 hours and watch a few YouTube videos. That'll help. boy. Make every effort to add to your faith. You'll, you'll notice an intriguing parallel here. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no smart. There's only hard work. Now, to be fair, and to be biblical, and to be Christian, (laughs) it's not just your hard work. This is the fruit of what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can Can you make the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Can you just conjure up some fruit? I'm convinced that there's there's two paths. There's there's a there's a better you know kind of the new year new me approach to this. It's not going to work. You take the new year new me approach to this or to anything, and you will find the new you to be equally disappointing to you as the old you was. <laughs> it, this isn't a self help. Pull up your bootstraps. Be a better person. Talk. Do you remember the text that we first read in Galatians five? It ended with this. It said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the work of the Spirit in your life. But make every effort to add to your faith these things. There's a dynamic back and forth here, isn't there? And it's so true in our relationship with Jesus. Do we come to faith because we just decided one day we were going to come to faith? We, we can't come to Jesus unless He draws us to Himself. Doesn't Jesus say Himself? Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit... We got no, no crack at the game. We're not even invited apart from his initiation. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. What's happening there? I'm taking a step to God and God's responding. So God initiates, God responds. We initiate, we respond. There is a dynamic back and forth that goes on when it comes to spiritual growth in our life that we have to embrace. Sometimes it's going to look a little bit more like this and sometimes it's going to look a little bit more like that. Some days, God will do a miracle in your life and purge you of some wickedness that you couldn't purge out of yourself even though you tried a thousand times. It's just going to happen. And other times, you're going to labor over one Achilles heel in your life and it'll seem incessantly and it'll be work and God will initiate even you wanting it and then you'll respond and other times... You'll say, God, I see this and I need it. And he'll respond to you because you drew near to him. And that's just how it works. There is no formula. There's no answer. There's no no absolute all the time um, breakdown of how that is. But I do think when Galatians 5 ends with, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit is a great clue. Just keep going after Jesus. If you're working hard at it, don't be afraid of working hard at it. Make every effort to add to your faith those things. Work at it. And if it just comes easy one time, rejoice. (laughs) And if God's drawing you, respond. 
And if you see a bunch of garbage, initiate. And God will respond. I think that's how it works. Make every effort to add to your faith. We do our part. God makes things grow. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of a whole bunch of efforts on our part, and yet we're called to make every effort to, to cultivate the ground in which that kind of growth occurs and fruit comes forth. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7 says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You take God out of the equation, there is no growth. There's no growth outside of God. God makes everything grow. Every bit of goodness in your life, give thanks to God for. It's all because He made things grow. I'm going to call the worship team up. We're going to close, and I, I, I think the appropriate response is to just cultivate the ground of our hearts and our minds for God to bring growth, because only God brings growth, which brings forth fruit. The tree has to have some, some, some substance to it before it can put forth great-looking fruit, doesn't it? It needs to grow, and, and there's times, I think, where God's pushing forth fruit, and there's times where, where just the, the strength of the trunk of that tree is what God is after, and, and every one of us are in a different place in our growth. But let's take some time. We have, we've been setting apart time at the end of each service um, for us to respond, to worship. Worship's a great ground, ground to, to cultivate the soil of your heart in. It's a great time to let the Holy Spirit be, give Him room to speak to you, to respond to Him in prayer. If He highlights things, jot them down, things you need to do, things that you think would produce fruit in your life ways that you can make every effort. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let, let's take some time to let the Holy Spirit speak to us, respond to Him, and let Him produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we, we commit this word to you, God. I ask for um, I ask, God, that you would, you would lead us. We are led by the Spirit. We trust you, God. This whole work of growth, of producing fruit, it's, it's really a work of your Spirit, and it's the fruit of your Spirit. And so we ask you, God, to, 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 to push forth that process in our lives. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to grow. You've given us the desire. Let us be, we want to be like you, Jesus. Let us grow up as big as you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand as we sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise.